Enisa, the European Network and Information Security Agency, just issued its annual review that explores incidents that adversely have an impact on fixed and mobile telephony and internet systems in the European Union, and it was done for the year 2011. Hello, I'm Eric Chabro of Information Security Media Group, and I'm pleased to be joined by Marnix Decker, who co-authored Enisa's analysis of the annual incident reports. Welcome, Marnix. Thanks a lot, Eric. Just take a few moments to summarize the major findings of the study and what you found most fascinating about it. I have to say that the data that we have analyzed was still quite limited. Perhaps the the fact that we collected the data and that we were able to issue a report was was a bigger feat than than the data itself. We had some first conclusions on the data, of course, and some conclusions were that, you know, mobile networks were often affected by power cuts, that many users were affected when there were outages, and uh, uh, that very often, in the EU at least, outages involve big natural phenomena. So what we saw very often was that there was a big storm, which led to power cuts, which led to long-lasting outages of the electronic uh, communication services. What we would like to stress is the fact that this is the first time that incidents are collected at an EU level and fed back to the different EU countries, and that this is a first step in improving transparency of cybersecurity incidents, really. And why is that important? Well, as you may know, in the past, everyone focused always on, on incident response and, and our organization, the security agency really of, of, the, of the EU, we also focused on improving incident response processes. So in the past, we used to work a lot with the computer emergency response teams and trying to make sure that they improve their capabilities and that they work better together and that they collaborate so that response to incidents and, 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 and the crisis are uh, you know, better. But at the same time, what we saw a lot is that once the incident is over, when the pizza boxes are empty, you did a lot of long nights trying to address the incidents and uh, did a lot of malware engineering. In the end of the day, nothing happened with the, the incident data. So there was no process that kind of assessed what was the overall impact of the incident, put it all together, what were the root causes, and there was no process that collected that data for sharing with, for example, the industry or with policymakers or even with the public. That is really surprising. So in the EU, you can go to any country and ask a politician if they know how many incidents there were in the banking sector and what their total impact was, but they don't know the answer. And that is difficult to to make policy and to to even you know assess the risks of uh, cybersecurity incidents without knowing the numbers behind it. Really trying to focus on you know the last two years is really to improve the transparency on the incidents and knowing that sometimes incidents are sensitive, but really trying to stress that only by sharing more data about the incidents, by making analysis and aggregation of these incidents and showing what are the overall impact, that this is the only way we can we can understand better what are the big issues. It looks like there were four categories that the study looked into, fixed telephony, fixed internet, mobile telephony, and mobile internet. Now, you're talking about the providers of these services. So talk about users are sometimes using the same device to access uh, multiple of these platforms. So uh, why don't you define what they are, at least these four different groups? The directive that really uh, is the legal backing for this kind of work uh, you know, focuses on the services, on the electronic communication services. What we chose as the four services that are the most commonly regulated services uh, across the EU member states, just to give you an example, in some countries, television broadcasting is also seen as an electronic communication service. In some countries, there are national regulators that regulate this service and they, they want to know about the incidents and, and supervise providers of these services. This is not the case in all EU countries. So what you see there, these four services, is really the, the subset of services that is that is you know being considered the the core 
electronic communication services across the EU. You use the term cybersecurity, but I, I suspect you're you're using it very broadly because you're using it as security is basically making sure things operate as they should operate. And we're not necessarily looking at malicious behavior because one of the things that struck me in looking at this report was that the root causes for a lot of these incidents were things such as uh, hardware and software failure. And then, you know, I guess the roll numbers, that's nearly represents nearly half of all of these incidents. And then natural phenomena represents about a third. And malicious attacks was just 6%. I, I completely agree. I mean, so so I can, I can give you some informal arguments. I mean, so for one reason, our press office just likes to use the term cyber. And I think this happens in any organization. We prefer to, to call these incidents just plainly security incidents. You know, that is a more uh, neutral term and it doesn't refer to nation state actors, criminal groups and so on and so on. And the term cyber is really, uh, it reminds you of Stuxnet and so on and so on. There's another aspect to this as well. The telecom regulators in Europe are mostly concerned with making sure that all the networks are up and running. And many of the regulators uh, are not uh, too much concerned with issues like hacking issues like uh, flaws in encryption and so on and so on. So they kind of delegate that job to data protection authorities. I have to tell you that, that the telecom regulators got into security quite recently, uh, only, only a couple of years ago that they started to, to really think about the security of the networks. So they are slowly uh, getting into this field and slowly you see more and more telecom regulators focus on things like encryption and the other aspects of security. What's important to a business is keeping things up and running and whether it's through a malicious attack or, or whether it's through a power failure, uh, it's the responsibilities of those in charge of those systems to keep them operating. And I'm, I'm thinking in terms of, you know, the past month here in the United States, we've had a lot of uh, distributed denial of service attacks that have crippled uh, online banking services. You know, that, the root cause here would be a malicious attack, but the, the, the bottom line is, are banks providing services or not being able to provide services? So uh, do people in charge have to take a more holistic approach? Security experts like to look at both aspects of security, right? So the, the, the simple, which is just uptime, the fact that the systems are up and running so that you can rely on them to do the job for you. And the other aspect which is that, they, that these systems don't do anything you don't want them to do. Generally, the availability part of security is important and also the, the confidentiality and integrity part of, of that is important. But I agree that the availability is very essential for the digital society in general, and specifically when we look at infrastructure, because when you look at banking, these are really services that rely on telecom infrastructure and data centers and so on. But if you look at infrastructure, what is the most important part of infrastructure is that it is resilient in the sense that it, that it is up and running. And confidentiality and encryption and so on, customers can still uh, deal with that themselves. Really, and so in that sense, I agree that cyber attacks and confidentiality issues and integrity issues and, and, and so on are, are important aspects. But at the same time, for when we talk about incidents affecting infrastructure, probably availability is, is an even more important uh, aspect. The reporting mechanism is new for this kind of study that you're doing, and I believe almost half of the nations are just starting to yeah. do the reporting, yes. and that's why these numbers uh, aren't really reliable, but you're just trying to infer certain trends in there. And the malicious attacks is low down. Do you think that you'll be seeing more of those as more reporting comes in and as these uh, as maybe the threat increases, or do you think it'll stay about the um, same? 
I don't think I I think we will see even less uh, malicious attacks actually. Um, Why so? It's just what, what you know based on informal talks with regulators. What we see a lot is that uh, the uh, I mean we're focusing on the big outages uh, first of all. Um, and we're focusing on the infrastructure, which means the wire that goes, you know, from uh, f- from from business to business or from uh, business to to operator, but uh, not beyond that. So, if you, for example, have an issue with your your broadband router, or if someone attacks your PC, you know, these are all issues that are or incidents that are outside the scope of the of the operator. Right? They don't. Uh, that's that's beyond its its scope. Um, and if you look at and you know barely you know plainly the wire that goes from from a business to another business or or to an operator and so on, you see that uh, and, and if you only look at the big outages, these big outages are often just caused by uh, software flaws at core routers or uh, uh, digging uh, machines that uh, cut cables or uh, power outages, these kind of things. And that that is what we're seeing a lot. How about in the, in the mobile platform? Same thing because a lot of the infrastructure. Is not mobile networks are more complex and there are more dependencies and the outages uh, seem to be bigger. There is more what they say IT equipment involved and that's a funny term. The operators have been switching from you know the standard telco equipment slowly slowly to more and more what you would call IT equipment, more IP based and so on and so on. And these that that kind of equipment is developed differently, not developed with the same resilience requirements in mind. It's being developed in a fairly open market where bringing products to market has priority over uh, a very conservative approach and making sure that the, that the product has uh, can deliver five or six nines. And you see that on the one hand, the complexity of these networks is, is getting bigger and uh, small flaws can have a bigger impact. You see that the equipment itself seems to be less reliable and you also see that the operators have less knowledge to deal with the incidents. So whenever there is a software flaw, for example, because uh, some software vendor issued the wrong patch for a piece of uh, router firmware, they don't really know what to do. They don't really know how, if, they, if they can roll back or not, and sometimes it's not possible. And you see that that takes you know really hours, eight hours, or or even a full day, and that the, the operator doesn't really have the staff or the the crew anymore to fix these issues. And that that is an interesting development for sure. So it'd be fair to characterize what you're saying, is, at least when it comes to the infrastructure, whether it's mobile or land-based. The real threats are the same things that have been around for years. The infrastructure itself, the wiring, or natural disasters than than just uh, or or human accidents, rather than something malicious happening. It has been around for ages, but the problem is that the impact is now getting bigger and bigger. Fairly recently, there was a big fire in the, in the Netherlands. We had this long discussion which may be interesting for your audience to know a little bit about this incident. So what we're trying to do, and we're really borrowing from the FCC, I think the formal name is the Federal Communications Committee. Federal Communications Commission, yes. Yeah, so they've been doing incident reporting for a while. Ten years ago, we would do information security, not because of incidents, but because the auditor asked us to do it, right? So one would get the ISO, some ISO standard and look at the chapters of the ISO standard and start doing these things one by one. So you would do something on human resource security, you would do something on business continuity and so on and so on. But you didn't really have any incidents because there were no attackers and so on and so on. So slowly on our side of the Atlantic and the younger security expert, if I may say so, they're trying to take a more risk-based approach, right? So they're going to make sure they register all the incidents and they're going to address all the incidents. And you see also what the FCC has been doing with the telecom operators in the United States. They have been taking the same approach. We had a lengthy conference call uh, yesterday with them. Very, very useful for us 
to speak and work with them. And we have frequent uh, calls. They have you know many years more experience. I think they've been doing this for, for five or 10 years more. And they were also st- stressing yesterday that if you start by collecting the incidents and then you see what the issues are, and then you look at where you can take security measures to improve and mitigate these incidents, that is really a very pragmatic approach. And it allows you also to get this cycle of where you see if your measures are successful and then you register uh, and you see if they are successful by looking at the incidents and then you take these new measures again. Coming back to what I was going to explain earlier. So what we are doing is really not only collecting these incidents, but we discussed about these incidents with the different regulators of the EU member states and we address them and we take a couple of big outages as examples. And the day before yesterday, we were in Mainz, Germany with these regulators and discussing, among other things, about this annual report. And we took one big incident that had happened recently, which was a big outage in the Western part of the Netherlands, actually around the port area of Rotterdam, involving also The Hague, which is the seat of the International Tribunal, but also the seat of the Dutch government. A fairly large area was affected by a mobile telephony outage. Many politicians and ministers have Vodafone subscriptions, so you can imagine the, the political impact that it had, and it lasted hours. So the reason for this incident was really just a fire in a, an adjacent building of a Vodafone switch, really, building. Well, what you see is, of course, the economic impact of such, of such an outage is huge. Uh, there are all sorts of systems that are now relying on public communications. There are alarm systems that use a simple SIM card to a dial home for uh, notifying that there's a burglar. There are trains and trams and uh, that are using normal telephony as a, as a way to communicate with each other. Politicians use it. In the banking sector, it's used. So that it's pretty clear, you know, that society is more and more dependent on simple telephony. What is funny that came out of this discussion is that the politicians, they were just not accepting the fact that they couldn't make their phone calls anymore because they were saying, but wait, there's not only Vodafone, there's also T-Mobile, there's also some other large uh, Dutch operators. Here I am in a room and I'm an important person and I have a subscription with the wrong operator and there's someone standing next to me with a telephone from another operator and they can make a phone call. Why can you make a phone call and, and, and I cannot make a phone call? Just to push this point a bit further, they say, you know, when I'm abroad, I have no problem calling with the network of another operator. So why, if I am the Netherlands, why can I not use the network of another operator in case of an outage? You know, we understand the technical difficulties and the legal aspects and the, you know, the, the, the impact that such a, what we call national roaming would have on competition and in a national market. But at the same time, we also like to, to step in the shoes of a citizen that has no idea about technology or a politician. And we could just go like, well, in fact, there are redundant networks. There are several operators covering the same area in a country. So why not? Why do we even have to have outages? And why can we not, when there is a big outage, just switch over to another network? And these are very interesting discussions. And the Dutch have now started this discussion with the operators. I'm sure they're going to find a solution out of this. And then what we're going to do is take this solution, explain it in more detail, and make sure that the other member states, the other countries in the EU, can learn from this experience and follow the same path, basically to reduce the impact of outages on society. One last area, big debate here in the United States is the role of government establishing either regulation or voluntary standards on uh, IT security. Uh, Do you find that kind of an interesting debate or a perplexing debate at all that's happening here? Well, I think in the, in the States, there is a very easy way out. I mean, a very elegant way out. You can just make a, make a phone call with, with people from the FCC and, and learn from their experience in that sense. And we are taking the same approach here. So, yes, it is very difficult to mandate security measures. As we all know, you can, t- you can write down in the standard saying you have to have a firewall 
and we've been doing this for years. And then the auditor would come, pass and see and check if you have a firewall and another check on your checklist. But in, in the end of the day, your security didn't improve at all eh? because you have the wrong rules in the firewall. Eh? Or for example, there's something other wrong because the attack goes over a different port. Of course, it's very difficult to cast security requirements in stone. It is very difficult to enforce them, but we're not doing that at all. In Europe, and, and the same is going on in the FCC, so there is a, a high-level requirement to take appropriate security measures and to do risk management to address the risks. On the other side, there is also a legal requirement to report about incidents, and that requirement is cast in stone. Right? So there's no way out. You get big fines if you do not report about the incidents. But actual details of the security measures, which have to be taken, these are not mandatory. They are just recommendations. The way you check back on whether or not these recommendations are good or whether or not companies are following up on these recommendations, you check back on them by using the incidents again. So what FCC does, they meet every three months, I believe, with the operators of the, the telecom industry, and they discuss about what would be best practices to implement to improve certain aspects of the telecom infrastructure. And that is not binding at all. Yes, it is an interesting discussion. And very often you hear this, and I think it's a very subtle point also. And it's very important to stress that we cannot mandate ever a set of security measures. And that is really wrong. And, and we've seen in the past that that, that has not worked uh, with the ISO 27K audits and so on and so on. That has never really uh, uh, um, produced any useful results and didn't really improve your security. Um, but uh, there are ways out of this, and uh, the FCC is a good example, and what we're doing in Europe right now in the telecom sector is the same example. Uh, you, you work with the industry and you derive recommended best practices. And the, the only part that is really mandatory is the incident reporting, because that allows you to, to get feedback on, uh, on if, if things are working. Marnix, I'm, I'm glad you spent some time with us. I thank you very much. Yeah, thank you for the interview. I've been speaking with Monix Decker of ENISA, the European Network and the Information Security Agency. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Eric Chabro. Thanks for listening.